and welcome to another episode of Down in the Valley. We are now on episode number 20. I would have never imagined we had, we'd have made it this far. But uh, thank you all for joining us uh, this fine uh, Wednesday afternoon. Um, once again, wanted to let you know that uh, the phone lines will be open for a little bit uh, during this show. Uh, you can call us at 956-622-5977. And before we say hi to our, our co-host Jacob, we do want to remind you that uh, be sure to check out our friends from uh, the Beautiful Game Network. Follow them on Twitter at the BGN uh, FM. Uh, check out the website at bgn.fm. Uh, while you're there, check out other USL podcasts uh, like us, uh, including uh, Rising S1, Play the Kids, and uh, there are actually a few new um, a few new podcasts that have joined uh, the network. So be sure to check them out. Uh, also check out uh, our sponsor, uh, or the BGN sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, uh, who are the official scarf supplier of the MLS, USL, and uh, NWCA. I almost lost my train of thought there for a minute. Um, be sure to also check out our friends at DynamoTheory.com. Uh, Carson did uh, release their, his new article, uh, The Bull and Its Horns. Uh, also, be sure to also check out our website, downintherrgv.com, where we'll be uh, actually be uploading uh, articles written by Jacob himself, uh, which will probably go live in the next uh, couple of days. So having said all of this, uh, Jacob, man, how are, you, how are you, man? Doing well, doing fine. Down here in the RGV, it's been a pretty good day so far, yeah. And that's good, that's good to hear, man. Uh, what, how was... How are you, your experience on Saturday uh, doing the the broadcast live from the from the stadium? Man, the broadcast live from the stadium on Saturday that was interesting to say the least. Obviously, of course, it did take a long time for us to get set up and things like that. But uh, yeah, it, it also sometimes you know it was really tough to hear because the sound guy was absolutely just on something in my opinion because he ended up raising the volume super loud and we could barely hear hear each other and sometimes I got lost of focus because of that and so yeah it was really interesting of course yeah I mean he's just trying to do do their job so but it kind of didn't help because these uh, microphones are actually very very sensitive however you know what the interesting part though is is that um, so I was listening to the audio from the actual stream uh, what was it like two days ago and actually, like, even though, like, they're live, it, it sounded so loud, the microphones were able to pick up our voices just fine. It, it, it wasn't, it didn't really, like, take over uh, our voices. So it, it, pro it proved to be a very decent re recording uh, for the most part. Um, so other than that, you know, I really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, just like, like we said that night, it's just growing pains that we have to get used to. Uh, in order to, for next time we want to do something like that, um, you know, we realize that the bandwidth is just isn't great in that location. So we will probably end up having to try uh, an audio only stream uh, if we were to do something in the future live uh, from HEV Park. Um, so that is, that is going to be something that is in the works, guys. So be sure to check that out whenever uh, it does happen. And uh, in order to continue, let's go ahead. I do want to mention to everybody that is here right now, watching us live on YouTube, um, we are going to have um, 
um, Nico Cordy, uh, RGBFC goalkeeper. He is going to be live on the show uh, in a couple of minutes. So be sure to stick around, guys. And uh, that way you'll be able to listen to uh, what he, he's, uh, he wants to talk to us about when we, when we ask him. So it'll be an interesting show today. So uh, let me know, guys. Let me know, guys, if the stream is working well uh, on your end. Uh, it seems to be working fine on my end, I believe. I believe. Um, so having said this, let's go ahead and jump uh, straight into uh, RGB versus San Antonio, the South Texas Derby. And for me, at, at least for me, it was it was a very hard fought battle by RGB. RGB pretty much showed up and played the game how they were supposed to. They just they just were had to play against a really 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 big obstacle, which was Diego Restrepo, uh, San Antonio FC's goalkeeper. He was unpassable that Saturday. Oh yeah, he was unpassable for sure. But besides that fact that sometimes you know. Even RGVFC couldn't really get the ball into the final third, just like Todd Wharton said uh, in the press conference after. Sometimes, you know, in that final third, they didn't get that pass that they needed to. Maybe an extra pass wasn't necessary in that moment because of the fact that when I did look at the stats after the game, they only had eight shots on goal. So obviously they can just get a bit more, uh, or not a bit more, but just... Yeah, a little bit more shots on goal. It'll be really nice to actually see because eight goal, eight shots on goal. Sure, uh, each shot was challenged by Restrepo, but if they could have just gotten you know a couple more shots, maybe one of them could have actually gone into the back of the net. Yeah, that, I I would have to say that at least for me, I think the the offense was fine in the first half. And we kind of mentioned it uh, during the uh, during halftime when we were recording that video. Um, the, the offense were, were fine. They were finding opportunities uh, on goal, especially early in the first half. Seems like in the second half, uh, San Antonio might have tweaked some things and they had more possession of the ball. At times, they looked a little bit dangerous, uh, especially, I, I believe, that player is, um, let me get you the name of that player, uh, Gordon. Uh, Gordon really looked quick on his feet. Uh, he proved to be uh, a danger, especially uh, through through the middle, Escalante through the middle as well. Gordon actually, I'm switching it. So Gordon through the, uh, out on the wing, uh, looked a little bit uh, dangerous. And then uh, you had uh, Jose Escalante who would play as, who was technically a winger, but for many, um, chances or many, many different lapses of the game, uh, he had most of his attack uh, through the middle. And he proved to, to be a bother for both Nicolas Perea and, and for Todd Warden. Um, the only thing, obviously, with, with uh, Escalante is that he tended to be, um, when he would dribble, he tended to look more for the foul rather than uh, looking uh, for a good opportunity to pass the ball over to his uh, attacker, which was either Alex Bruce or Sonny Guadarrama. Uh, so I think it's kind of like, so I was watching the S, uh, South Texas, no, wait, the San Antonio uh, Roundtable 
which is a podcast that uh, my, uh, our friend Harry uh, is on for San Antonio. And one of the things they mentioned was that um, it looks like Jose Escalante had some internal pressure uh, or personal pressure to prove to the SA or to the RGBFC fans, you know, that, that they made a mistake in letting him go. And so they felt that he, a lot of times he made decisions that normally he would not make. Uh, and so I don't know, I don't know what you think, what you think about that uh, point of view, but that was some of the, one of the things that, that uh, caught my, caught my ear when I was listening to them uh, this morning. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Uh, take on that side because of the fact that, yeah, and I also did notice that Escalante was looking for the fouls a lot of the times, especially when he went to the box because of the fact that even up from the booth, we saw we saw Jose Escalante a couple of times raise up his hands when he thought, you know, that he might have gotten fouled or something like that. And so it, it was really interesting to see that. And of course, yes, San, also San Antonio FC, they did look dangerous a couple of times. And that also goes back to, in my opinion, not mental lapses from RGV, but just that little men, mental game that we had talked about before that sometimes when they don't have possession, they get trapped a bit in their own area, and so they don't know what to do. And I think that's what happened when, especially in the start of the second half, San Antonio FC was able to uh, climb that gap and get a bit more possession in and test Nico Cordy. Yeah, and honestly, like San Antonio had very few chances. I believe they only had like three shots on goal, and all of them uh, were pretty much saved by Nico Cordy. Uh, he looked, uh, once again, you know, looked really confident back there and uh once again i'll, I'll let y'all know whoever's watching the stream right now he is going to be on live on the show uh in a couple of minutes around 7 30 around there so be sure guys uh like this video share it with your friends let people know to come and listen um it'd be interesting to see you know some different points of view uh from uh, nickel cordy you know what he sees out there on on the pitch you know maybe things that we uh, as fans outside don't really see or how he got up to the to this level, you know, listen to his background. Um, so let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the uh, starting 11 uh, for RGVFC. So like we mentioned, uh, the goalkeeper was uh, Nico Cordy. It looked really, looked really well, got another clean sheet, especially at home. I believe is what, uh, it's the third clean sheet? Yes, the third clean sheet for sure from Nico Cordy, third straight clean sheet at home to be exact. Obviously you didn't get a clean sheet on the road versus Fresno. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, and then on the defense, uh, some minor changes. Uh, we had uh, Manny Padilla back out in the right back position, then uh, Connor Donovan, then Omar Ontiveros uh, back in the starting 11, the uh, RGB native. And uh, Kyle Adams uh, continues to uh, be out in the left back. And he's proven to be a decent uh, for the most part of this game. Uh, one of the things that we mentioned in the pregame, uh, Jacob, I know, I know you probably remember, is that um, we were kind of iffy on Connor Donovan, especially after what we saw against Fresno. Those mental mistakes that he had, he's had, especially away, you know, we were. It was up to a point where we were saying, like, if he makes another mistake, you know, he's gotta have to be benched. But um, thankfully, Donovan 
was able to prove us wrong. Uh, he looked really, really, uh, really legit back there. Yeah, he finally looked legit. He finally looked like he belonged. And I think it just took, you know, confidence, I think, from, you know, those mental mistakes that has happened on the road. I think he only makes those on the road because he's scared. He's not really used to playing that, I guess, that much on the road. And so when he came home, he was much more confident. And I think, obviously, uh, training, maybe, you know, the coach or the trainer said, you have a problem when you get into the box. So let's work on that for a day. And maybe that's what, you know, he worked on continuously going to going towards this game. And so, yeah, Connor Donovan finally looked really well and really good. And I, I liked what I saw from him. Hopefully he can uh, repeat that going forward against Kansas City. Yeah, and, and it was to a point where we realized, like, oh, you know, Derbies tend to be physical. And Connor Donovan was not afraid to be physical, to be honest. Even to a point where he, he pretty much tackled his own coach, Jerson Echeverry. Uh, I think it was in, uh, late in the second half. And I thought it was, it was kind of hilarious. Uh, um, yeah, because it, it was like he was so focused in making sure that Escalante did not uh, run away with the ball and head towards the goal. Where like he didn't care who who he who he pretty much knocked over and who was in his way, but thankfully you know that he was not he was able to get that ball you know out of bounds uh, out of uh, danger. Yeah, for sure. Uh, luckily, he was able to do that and also not hurt Coach Jurisnich very, considering the fact that it was close from us maybe seeing a headline saying. Dristin Echeverry out for for six weeks with a torn meniscus or something like that. <laughs> yeah, now that, that that would have been that would have been pretty pretty bad, and I'm sure like Connor Donovan would feel guilty. But thankfully, it's just something that that wasn't major, and we can pretty much laugh uh, our way out of it. And and uh, I'm sure uh, Coach Echeverry uh, probably thinks the same. You should have asked him though. Can't believe we forgot <laughs> during the post game conferences. Yeah, exactly. But I think, in a way, we made it up with that meme that I believe Caesar made. So, yeah, <laughs> I think yeah, that, that's what happened. Okay, so just a little background on that. So uh, uh, we were all, all four of us from down in the valley, uh, were in the post-game conferences. And uh, Cesar was in charge of taking photography while we were there. And one of the pictures where, that he took... It was, it was, Jerson Echeverry caught him at the perfect moment where he was making pretty much that, uh, that face that Obama made for that not bad meme. And so, uh, and so we, I took the picture and made it into pretty much, uh, uh, a new version of that, uh, not bad meme. And so Jerson saw it and he pretty much loved it. So, um, I, I just thought, I just thought it was another funny thing. So continuing on on the midfield, we also saw a little bit of uh, some changes in the midfield. Uh, you had uh, Chuy Enriquez playing in the left wing, uh, Nicolas Perea returning, um, uh, playing in the center along with Todd Warden, the captain, who, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, has not missed a single minute so far this season. And then uh, out in the left, out in the right, excuse me, right wing or right mid, we saw. Uh, Salivar return. 
Uh, and one of the things I mentioned to you is that in, in comparison with Chuy Enriquez, Salivar tends to play much lower, more uh, as a right mid than a right wing. And so it looked, the formation-wise, it looked very lopsided with Enriquez going up and uh, going up against defenders and trying to create attacking plays. Whereas Saliva, there were a couple of uh, times where they were trying to look for him up on top of the field, and he was pretty much in the midfield, you know, in the in uh, very 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 down. And so a lot of the times, a lot of uh, attacking opportunities were missed because we're pretty or RGB tends to be used to having two wingers up top. And with Saliva being put uh, being pushed back, I'm not sure if it was by design or the player, or that the or that the San Antonio FC defense, you know, forced him to be so far so far down. But it pretty much hurt the the RGBFC. Yeah, I agree with you on that because of the fact that, like you said, they were pushed back, and at the same time, when you have two players like that are that are being pushed back. That's not you don't have that help that you would normally have with two wingers on the outside, which would give you know maybe Todd Wharton or someone even on the forward side to look around, see a pass from that outside to try to get the ball inside or back inside to where you know you could get a good header on the ball or something like that. So it didn't help. I hope obviously it. It'll be kind of changed for next game. Hopefully, they can they are able to push up forward. But at the same time, I understand that Zadivar likes you know what he's doing in a way. He likes to come in, but at the same or stay back. But at the same time, we need him to you know push forward a bit. And it doesn't help that for the most part, Saliba has been playing in the center um, for most of the games that he's played. Whether it's an attacking midfield uh, through the center or a center defensive midfield helping out uh, Todd Warden. Uh, and then this time, he was he was pushed out to the wing, uh, which is interesting to see because in the bench you had Zach Wright. You also have, um, you know, John Montaño, who I'm not really sure has been pretty much uh, consistent enough to warrant uh, starting 11 um, because... If we see the uh, the substitutes that RGB had for this game, um, come on, you know you had oh here you are, you had Matt Sanchez, uh, Robert Castellanos, Kai Green, Jorginho James, Bryce Marion, who uh, who made his debut actually in this game, and I believe he plays out in the wing. So Bryce Marion is. If I'm not mistaken, he's a Dynamo Academy product. He played last year with uh, the Brazos Valley Cavalry. And it appears that Jerson Echeverry believes that it's his time to uh, to pretty much shine with RGBFC. Uh, you also had uh, Jordan Jones and uh, Zach Wright, like like I said, who, who came in. So interesting to see that John Montaño has been pretty much been relegated up to the stance. Now, is it is it proving me right? Uh, what me, what uh, Sean and I said in the beginning of the season, for the in the preseason game against San Antonio, where Montaño is not ready 
whether it's fitness-wise or he just does not have the talent. We don't know. Jerson of is the is the person who sees him every day in practice. But what we saw in that preseason match is that he wasn't match ready. And the fact that it's been, we're, what, uh, uh, what, nine? Uh, what is it, nine matches in? Or a little bit less uh, in the in the season? And he still has not even made it to the bench uh, consistently? I guess that goes to show you that they, they probably aren't really expecting much from him. Now up to a point where they're bringing up a young star uh, from the academy in order to fulfill that role. Of course. And even at this time of the season, and I'd heard this from a guy at the game this past Saturday, that at this point of the season, you need depth. And so at the same time, if one guy is not ready, just replace him with another. And so, like you said, if they're expecting someone that's really good to come out from, you know, this Toros Academy in a way, then it it can actually happen. I just believe that obviously uh, one of that that guy he he just needs to get ready. He just needs to get fitness ready, and we can have ourselves another star that can actually kind of help with this depth coming moving forward at least yeah and then to finish off the starting 11 before we go on break uh because we'll have nickel cordy should be coming on uh, any minute now uh we do have we did have uh pablo aguilar return into uh to the center attacking midfield position as a pretty much a distributor and uh aldo quintanilla and aldo quintanilla this game you know, you saw that hustle that we always see out of him. You know, trying to look for for that space, trying to look for that uh, that uh, attacking opportunity to shoot at, at the goal. Uh, between him and Enriquez, had uh, pretty much made good chances early early in the game uh, that pressured Restrepo to make some some really good saves. Um, sadly, when you when you're going up against uh, a player like we said before, we're going up against a player who is on his game, like Restrepo. You know, it's pretty pretty hard to to get to get past him. And we talked about it uh, during that that match. We said like, hey, well, you know, Restrepo being this good, it's it's a surprise that no MLS uh, team has been uh, pretty much. Um, has come for him and signed him. And so like, Harry, who, uh, the San Antonio, our San Antonio friend, has said that the reason that MLS clubs do not sign, have not signed him, is due to the fact that he is, not only is he short, but he's very stocky. Uh, and so a lot of, a lot of uh, coaches believe that just because of that combination, he's not flexible, he's not athletic enough uh, to be a, a first division uh, goalkeeper. And frankly, from what we've seen, not only what we have seen this year so far, but last year, where he was fighting for the Golden Glove and was really close to get, earn, earning the Golden Glove in the USL for the 2017 season, you know, his, his ability to jump, his, his positioning ability makes up for that lack of height. And so it's time to 
pretty much get out of the box. Think outside of the, that box of that stereotypical goalkeeper body, like they say. And, the, I mean, at the end, the whole point is to make sure the ball doesn't go into the net. And Diego Restrepo for San Antonio has done that and then some. Yes, for sure. I mean, he has done some as well. And, of course, yeah, we talk about him not being able to go into the MLS. Well, sure, he's small and he's obviously just been really good with San Antonio. And, obviously, San Antonio wouldn't really want to let him looks leave. Like, uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but it looks like uh, Nick Lucas is on. Yeah. Uh, it's... I think also, you know, uh, Todd Warden, men, you know, mentioned as well the, yeah. men, the me- mentality, does those mental relapses that, uh, and then, yeah. you know, the fact that, you know, you're going, <laughs> to be fair, you know, not all US, USL fields are uh, up to par to HV Park. I mean, you, you're, <laughs> sure. yeah, you're playing in, whatchamacallit, uh, for the most part, in baseball fields, in uh, cold, you know, in cold conditions where the pitch is going to be, you know, out of whack, so, mm-hmm. you know, it, like it was in Colorado. So I think, I think for the most part, like we've seen the offense, you know, step up, and uh, just those mental lapses, you know, in the uh, in the defensive position have proved, you can say, fatal uh, for for us. Uh, so in, in yeah. this season. Definitely. I mean, you know, you talked about the, the fields and the conditions. Um, well, that's true. They were incredibly lucky to have the facilities that we do at HB. You know, I think they're arguably the best you know, field game in the USL. Um, but I don't think that the facilities or, you know, the quality of the fields are a bad excuse for us. I think, you know, both teams are playing around at the end of the day. So it doesn't. It's not an unfair advantage for anyone to be playing on, on, you know, any kind of service. I think, for example, in Colorado, yeah, the field wasn't great, and you know, the conditions are cool, and it's high altitude, and it's windy. But at the end of the day, you know, I make a mistake on the free kick, and you know, Connor, Connor gives it the PK. Those are two plays that are very fixable, and we take care of those. We gave ourselves a chance to win on the road because we could have easily won that game. So you, know, you can look at the conditions and all that kind of thing, but I think, like you said, there's little mental lapses that. Yeah, I think that we we've been doing better on, but obviously we have to keep you know keep going with it because that's that's what's going to make the difference for us. Is, is can we be locked in in hundred percent over the course of nine? Yeah. So what uh, what is it that you're able to tell us? What how have the team in general been working on minimizing these mental mistakes? I, I, I just lost you for a second. Uh, like uh, I asked, uh, for example, how the, what, sure. from what you can tell us, um, how has the team been working on you know these uh, mental mistakes? Are there some specific yeah. exercises that Jerson Achiri has you all do uh, to maintain uh, uh, concentration, or how? Um, I don't know if there's you know so much of specific exercises to do. Mm-hmm. Um, to improve that concentration, I think it's something that you have to talk about and be aware of. I think film is incredibly important for that. You know, going back and watching the games, important plays, uh, and, and kind of watching them on your own, I think is important. So you can watch yourself and kind of get those mental reps of what you could have done better, what you did well, what to take away from that. 
And then we do a lot of fun together as a team. And we talk about how we discuss plays, how we can help each other, how we can get better. And I think getting those extra mental reps are going to help you, you know, be able to maintain that concentration and make the right decision the next time around. And so I think that's, I would say, film is, is, is a key factor in, in growing in that aspect. Yeah, that that's 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 really good that you guys are continuously review that that footage. Yeah. You know, it's something really important. So let's go ahead and put uh, um, pause the this uh, season um, uh, for, mm-hmm. for us. So I feel like one of the things I wanted to ask you. So you know, we yeah. I would like uh, for our fans to get to know uh, you a little bit better. You know, your background. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do mention it does mention like from many articles that we've read that you uh, grew up in Belgium and, and France. Is that correct? Yeah, I was so I was born in Belgium and lived there very briefly. I can't remember it. I was mm-hmm. very young. And then spent most of my childhood in France up until about the age of 12, I think. And mm-hmm. then I moved to, um, with my family, uh, for my dad's work, we moved to the United States, moved to California. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been uh, in California ever since, and then, you know, recently we repeated to Texas, which I've been enjoying so far. <laughs> That's good to hear. So, um, at what age did you uh, decide to play soccer, or, or more specifically, at what age and what influenced you to decide, hey, you know what, I want to be a goalkeeper? Because honestly, yeah. it's not really a position that a lot of kids uh, just wake up and decide, oh, I want to be the goalkeeper. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it's a question I get a lot, and I actually have a very easy answer for you. Is that I've been playing soccer um, ever since I can remember. I, I think I started when I was three, mm-hmm. and I've been a goalie since then. Since day one, I've never been a field player. Um, I think part of that realistically is that my dad was a goalkeeper, and his dad was a goalkeeper. So I guess I'm a third generation goalkeeper, and yeah, I've, I've always been drawn to the position, I guess, and mm-hmm. that's probably just because I started so early and um, felt like I was good at it, and, and I've just enjoyed it, and I still do, which is pretty cool, I think. Um, it's a difficult position um, mentally more than anything, but very rewarding at the same time. So, yeah, I started from the get-go. I have some pictures of when I was really, really little living in Paris with uh, some Nike gloves on during the, the 1998 World Cup in, in France. They had like a little like Nike town set up down there, and I was playing goalie even then. Yeah, and you know, it's one of the things that, you know how they say like with goalkeepers, it's the only position pretty much where your mistakes are counted as far in the scorebook. Yeah. So it it is it is kind of challenging mentally. Um, oh, yeah. You mentioned your parents, your dad, and your and your grandfather were both goalkeepers. Yeah. Did they play? Uh, did they play professional as well, or were, or were they uh, no? No, my so my grandfather. Um, I actually don't know, you know, how long he did it or, or how it wasn't. I don't think at a very high level, um, but he, you know, would still play recreationally when he was an adult and all that kind of stuff. So he he loved it. He just I don't know uh, at what level he played. And then my father grew up in France, um, and he was kind of in the um, academy setups of his local professional clubs, you know. And then um, I think when it came time to when it was make or break time, he had a, a pretty bad back injury that he that he had uh, doing track and field, I think, actually. Mm-hmm. And he uh, hurt his back pretty bad, and that was kind of it for him. But again, same thing. He's, you know, still loves playing in his uh, in the adult leagues, that kind of stuff. 
So when you were growing up, you know, and you were trying to get your feet wet with soccer, was there a particular yeah. player, professional player, that was your role model or, you know, your inspiration? That's a great question. Um, when I was growing up, the goalkeeper for France was Fabien Martez, mm-hmm. um, who's like the, you know, Manchester United, um, uh, France legend, bald, kind of crazy. Um, and Everybody he kiss his head. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Kiss the head. Um, he he was the guy that we all looked up to uh, when we were growing up. That you know, I wanted to shave my hair so I could look like him. That type mm-hmm. of thing. But my mom wouldn't let me. Um, <laughs> but looking back now, I think you know he. That's not exactly the the role model I have now from a technical standpoint. You know, I think there are other goalies that are much more technically sound than he is that you would want to kind of. Um, model yourself off of but at the time when you're a kid you're not really thinking about that kind of stuff you're just looking at you know this kind of crazy guy that that somehow is incredibly effective um even though he's not as traditional as other goalkeepers out there you know mm-hmm. yeah definitely so fast forward a little a little bit uh so uh-huh. in college so you played um for stanford am i not mistaken you uh stanford mm-hmm. the, the program won uh three national championships and you were uh you participated uh directly in the, uh in your senior your senior year when you won, yeah. when you won the third one describe us a little bit how how that uh that year went how how it was for you um so that last year obviously it was my my fifth year as a veteran senior um and it's kind of hard to to talk about that year in isolation because the reason it meant so much to me was that, you know, I put so much time into the program and the program meant so much to me, um, having been there for four years and, you know, I hadn't gotten the reward of, of much playing time up to that point, but, um, I felt like I contributed in a lot of other ways, um, day in, day out. And to finally have that opportunity to, to, to contribute on the field, you know, in the fall, um, it meant a lot to me. And so I was, you know, I attacked every game like it was life and death, to be honest with you. And, you know, it was, I put a lot of pressure on myself to, to be successful. And we had a lot of pressure. And that was the same mentality for everyone, which is, which is why I think we were so successful. Again, there was no complacency because we were all desperate, like absolutely desperate to, to win it all again. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of went game by game. And once it, once we got to playoff time, it was kind of like, Day to, we're just living day to day and staying in the moment. We ended up doing really well, and it's kind of crazy to look back on, you know, how successful the season was because it, you, you kind of don't realize it as you're doing it. You know, it's it's one of those weird feelings where, especially because in the college season it happens so fast, you don't really have time to sit back and admire your work. You kind of have to just keep going. And so now looking back, we we definitely uh, are very proud of what we were able to achieve. Yeah, you know. A lot of times, you know, just winning one championship is difficult enough, but, you know, three in a row, you know, that is an admirable feat for any <laughs> soccer program in, 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 in the college level. So you mm. went through college, you graduated, and so mm-hmm. now all of a sudden you're going to be, you're, you're called to be a professional, you know. Yep. What was your first reaction when they told you that you were going to play for RGVFC? Uh, I was excited. I was extremely excited and eager to, you know, get down there and get to work. Um, my route, my route to RGV was, I think, a little different than most people's uh, coming out of college. 
um, because I signed before the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of got that opportunity based on the, the Dynamo RGB goalkeeper combine that happened in December after that college season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just really, you know, Jerson was there at the combine and then um, the the first team goalkeeper staff was also there and I got along really well with them. I really, you know, I think we worked really well together and, and they saw something in me that I guess they would, they, you know, they, they gave me the opportunity to come down to RGB and, and they gave me the opportunity to come to the Dynamo preseason. Um, and I've been able to train with the Dynamo first team uh, multiple times since, since the season started as well, which has been great. And so to get that opportunity, I'm I'll always be grateful. And, and the way I look at it really is to just try to repay the, those, you know, handful of people that, that saw something in me. You know, I, I feel a lot of loyalty towards those people and to the organization. And I really want to, kind of prove them right, you know, and, and, and be a success story. Yeah, and it, and it was, uh, we under, in the beginning of the season, it was kind of like, for example, mm-hmm. it was constant rotations uh, between you and uh, Matt Sanchez, you know, trying to see who, mm-hmm. would, uh, who would win that, that, uh, goal, that starting goalkeeper spot. And then now it just, it seems that you have held on to, to that position. You're not really, get, you're not ready to let that go. Um, well, you know, there's, I think that's a, uh, there's a lot of layers, uh, to an answer to that question. And one is that I don't think anyone's, you know, won or solidified by that stunning spot. You know, I think it's a long season. I think as soon as you start thinking that you've accomplished anything is when you, you know, you put yourself into trouble. You put yourself in, in a position where you, you, you can lose that spot because, you know, Matt's a fantastic goalie. We train together all the time and it's it's a great battle and we push each other and we have a great working relationship um as well as a good friendship which i think is super important um when you're competing with someone like that i've had the the pleasure of having a lot of good relationships like that with other goalies that i've competed with um so even though you know i've started the last handful of games or or whatever you know i that, that, you never uh, know who's starting the next game you can't you can't take that for granted so you have to attack every day to to kind of earn that Again, you know, that's kind of the mentality is you have to, to earn it every single practice, you know, so that you can't, you never take your foot off the pedal. So being a, a you know, pro for a couple of uh, weeks, weeks already, a couple of months, I guess mm-hmm. you could say, um, what do you think, what are the major differences that you, have, you yourself have experienced between collegiate soccer and professional? I think the biggest thing I've noticed is the schedule. I think that's something that I know, and at least I know my college coach, Coach Gunn, really wants to to change is the condensed schedule in the fall in college, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where you're playing two games a week, playing 23 games in you know a matter of a couple months, and it, in that situation, schedule-wise, you can't you can't train that much throughout the week in preparation because you know at least two or three days of the week are, are recuperation from those games that. Um, that are high intensity because of the subs and all that kind of stuff. So the biggest difference I've seen is, you know, you're playing one, one game a week for the most part, and every once in a while there's a mid, midweek game that changes it a little bit, but you're able to really push throughout the week and work on your craft day in, day out, and not worry so much about just, you know, um, recovery and game prep like you have to uh, in college. So I think that's been one of the biggest differences is, is I've been able to, you know, you can kind of log more hours throughout the week Mm-hmm. And really, really develop at a higher rate, I would say, um, than I than I've been able to in the past. 
Yeah, definitely. Since now, since you're a pro, you know, your uh, your focus is, you know, on the training. Whereas when you're in college, well, you had to do train not only training, you know, for the soccer, but you've also had to go to classes, do your homework, study for tests. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's definitely part of it as well. I think, I think at least in in my experience at Stanford, the I'd say the amount of hours of soccer that we put in was fairly similar as mm-hmm. now, as I've as I've done in the professional level. I think a lot of the I mean, you know, there's a reason that most of my senior classes are is playing professionally. You know, that was always the goal for for all of us. So we we always kind of try to handle ourselves like we were already professionals um, in our time at Stanford. Obviously, we had other commitments, but you know, soccer was always the, the number one focus. But just the the type of training that you're able to do when you don't have to worry about playing two or three games a week is, is different, you know, and you can do higher intensity, higher impact stuff on a day-to-day basis. And, and that allows you, that's allowed me to develop a lot, you know, with the things like distribution, being able to strike the ball every day without having to worry about, you know, is my groin going to be okay for the game? You know, cause I took 20 goal kicks this game, you know, that kind of thing. So that's, that's been a, a nice change for me that I've noticed. So, um, Another question would be, um, so mm-hmm. if you could describe Coach Gerson Echeverry in what word, what would it be? <laughs> oh, Coach Gerson in one word. Um, that is a great question. Let me think. I'd say effective. You know, he's a very effective coach. He, uh, he, when we do video and that kind of thing, you know, he's, he boils down the main points and he hammers those home. So he's going to make sure that everyone in the room, um, understands what he's trying to say, what he's trying to get across to us. And then the training sessions are tailored to those, to those main points, you know? Um, and he does so in a difficult situation where some of the guys don't speak the same language, you know, and he, can go back and forth between English and Spanish with no problem. And I think that's pretty, uh, you know, a pretty special coaching uh, capability to be able to do that for, for people in the same room that, that can't communicate that well. And, you know, we've done a good job of, of learning to communicate with each other as well. But I think a lot of that comes from, from the coaching staff and Jerson in particular. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much what we, what we, we've seen, you know, this, this ability mm-hmm. to, Turn the, these, I guess you can say these two different sub subcultures between like the English speaking mm-hmm. uh, players and the Spanish speaking players, and we're able to yeah. mold this into one cohesive unit. You know, yep. it, it's pretty pretty incredible, and was going to we a lot of people here from uh, the from Houston. You know, we're mm-hmm. kind of we're kind of iffy how that how that was going to work. Um, but yeah. I think Jerson Echeverry has done a tremendous job with that, and I know there's still a lot of uh, uh, still a lot of season uh, to to go. But it's it's exciting yeah. it's exciting to to see this this major improvement. Um, so now to fast forward to last last weekend, you know. So in the mm-hmm. uh, one of the questions that was given to us uh, by Jacob, in, in fact, uh, was mm-hmm. uh, so in the San Antonio game in the Sa- South Texas Derby. How did you feel yep. that your backline did, and what uh, and what improvements could still be made uh, to uh, in order for this game against Wolf Park? Yeah, I think if you look at it, you know, we watched. Um, I usually watch the film right after the game because I, I always 
can't really sleep after games because the adrenaline. So I like to watch the game, kind of get a better idea of how it really went. Because sometimes on the field, you know, you, you see things that you can't see on film, but on film you see a lot of things that you miss on the field. So it's important to watch that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think after watching the game, I felt like it was one of our most, most solid performances as a back line. I think, you know, we really didn't give them any clear chances. I think probably their best chance was at the end of the first half when um, – they had that kind of, that dinked ball over the top into the box that the forward brought down well, and then Kyle came in, came across and got a, a nice block on it, and I ended up being able to collect it pretty easy. I feel like that was probably their best chance of the game, and it's it's one that we deal with well. Again, mm-hmm. it's just a good ball that you have to deal with, and we did so. Um, so I think, and I think the difference is we we're communicating better and better with each other because there's some more consistency in and who's playing where. You know, I think. Todd and Nico do a great job of screening us, screening the back four um, in front of us so that, you know, you can take care of your job better because you don't have to worry about, um, you know, extra stuff going on in front of you. Um, And then I think we won challenges at a higher rate than we had. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought we did really well in the air. And I thought, you know, plays like the one that Connor made um, towards the end of the second half when he, you know, had like a 30-yard sprint and chased down a tackle um, to break out the counter and end up in, Ended up tackling Jerson as well. Um, but, you know, plays like that where it's just it's just good, hard-nosed defending, making a good play, we did that at a higher rate than we have. And I think as a result, I didn't have to do much, which is always, always the goal, you know. Um, and so going forward, I think, I think, you know, things that we need to keep improving on are denying crosses. I think it's, it's pretty clear in the USL that's a, a pretty common um, – attacking option for teams is to get that ball out wide and whip dangerous balls in because there's people that can really serve good crosses and, and good finishes that can make good runs in the box. So the more we can deny those crosses, the, the, the less defending will end up having to do in dangerous areas. So that's always uh, a key point for us going into games is, is can we limit those kinds of dangerous balls that, that, that can make us uncomfortable. And then going forward, we want to, you know, increase the amount of balls like that that we use to put the other team under pressure. Definitely. So, um, kind of getting away from from the whole soccer aspect. Um, yeah. So far, what has what is your mm-hmm. favorite thing to do in the Rio Grande Valley? Uh, in the Rio Grande Valley, so I'm still I'm still looking forward to going to um, the South Padre Island because I haven't been able to yet because mm-hmm. um, we haven't had it and you know any time off where I'm able to do that. But I've I've heard what we might in a a couple months or so, I'll have the time to do so. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I haven't explored too much, but I've the thing I do do is, you know, go out and, and try the different restaurants around. That's been fun. You know, all the guys on the team, most of the guys on the team are pretty new to the area, so we try to just go out and find spots to eat that we like, which is always fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, day-to-day, one of the things that I've been doing a lot is playing, playing board games with some of the guys on the team, you know, kind of building those relationships in the apartments. Um, which is always fun because we all live in the same same apartments together, mm-hmm. um, which is you know which is great for team team bonding and unity. You know we're always always around each other, which is great. So playing board games like Catan, playing cards, that kind of stuff. That's that's been the highlight for me um, socially and that kind of thing. Um, where we've been able to get to know each other and compete a little bit and you know kind of keep keep score and that kind of stuff, which is which is always fun. Yeah, definitely. That 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 bond, you know, that continuous bond between the players has, you know, mm-hmm. been been very effective uh, so far. So, what about FIFA 18? Do you got any guys playing FIFA? 
<laughs> yeah, we got some guys playing FIFA for sure. But to be honest with you, right now everyone's playing Fortnite. All the gamers, that's what that's what they're into. Um, and we got plenty of guys on the team who are playing that as well, um, which is fun. I you know I, I have it and play it sometimes, but not not as much as some of the other guys. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a fun one too, because you know unlike some video games where um, it's kind of just you and you staying at the computer, that kind of thing, staying inside that kind of game you're you're playing in squads you're playing with teammates online so you're you know talking to them so it's a cool way to stay in touch with guys from college that kind of stuff so so that that's a fun thing that some of the guys on the team do as well which is which is always good that's perfect i'm trying i'm trying to get into fortnite as well my yeah my, my sister's the one that's like oh well she so she plays uh PUBG. It's like okay, I want to okay. try Fortnite to kind of get used to that kind of that because I'm always I've always been yeah, more of yeah, a yeah. FIFA and the GTA Five. So continuing yeah, okay. on, so continuing on, um, do you have any piece of advice for any upcoming goalkeepers, any kids that want to become goalkeepers? Oh man, I have a bunch of advice. I I'm just gonna go back and tell myself a bunch of stuff at this point. But I think I think that the the number one skill that is going to make the difference for, for young goalies hoping to make it. And that's not to say that I've made it. Obviously, I have a, a long way to go until I can say that. But, you know, to get to get to a position where you're playing in college or academy even before that or um, club, even, you know, the big clubs around wherever you're growing up, I think the biggest thing is resilience. That's the biggest skill that, that you, you want to develop. And that's not one that there's Instagram videos to teach you how to do. There's no, you know, articles that are going to explain to you exactly what you need to do to, to kind of build that skill, but to be able to deal with adversity and, and setbacks and success too, um, I think is the most important thing. I think there's a lot of goalies that, um, you know, get cut or, or don't make teams during tryouts to end up being fantastic goalies. And then I think there's a lot of goalies that have a lot of success early on that, that don't have the resilience to deal with that success. Um, and keep pushing and keep growing. So I think the biggest thing that you can do as a goalkeeper is is just just keep going no matter what and find ways to improve. There's there's no you know one way to get better and to become successful. It's just having that resilience to to find all those different ways is is really the biggest thing. Because I know like personally, I was never I never got a sniff of national team or ODP or anything like that, and I didn't get recruited to any schools other than Stanford. That was the only school that recruited me to go to college uh, and play collegially. And it was pretty late in the recruiting process too. So, you know, it's it's just about staying resilient and and pushing no matter what happens and and just knowing what your goals are and and doing whatever you have to do to make those become a reality. Definitely. So, uh, Thank you, so, uh, thank you, uh, Nico, for taking your time, you know, from your busy schedule to be on no, the show no, no. and, uh, you know, get the fans to know a little bit more about you. But before you go, I want to put you, yeah. I want to put you on the spotlight. So we All know right. that the UEFA Champions League is next Saturday. Uh-huh. My question is Real Madrid or Liverpool and what score? Oh, man. Well, what I want to happen is Liverpool. I want Liverpool to win just because I think, and that's nothing against Real Madrid, mm-hmm. um, but I just think that's a great story, um, kind of the underdog story right now. And I mean, how can you root against Mo Salah right now? That's it's just not possible. Oh, but what will happen? I I think two one Real Madrid. I think they're they're too savvy. I think it'll be a it, that would be three in a row, right? 
if yes. they did it. Yes. I mean, you know, as someone who just did it three times in a row, you kind of got a root for that as well. So, <laughs> so do you think it'll I think, be... I think 2-1. And do you think it'll be in regulation, or will it go to extra? <sighs> it could go to extra time, for sure. It could go to extra time. I just think... I, th- I mean, yeah, it could be extra time with another Sergio Ramos mm-hmm. late header to win it, something like that. I could see that. Yeah. Definitely. And it could be – and I would honestly see Liverpool dominating and getting the majority of the chances. Um, and it could come down to what kind of game Navas has. Yeah, definitely. It's It'll gonna... be – regardless, I hate predicting scores because I just want a good game, you know. <laughs> but it's it's going to be great. I think it's going to be super exciting. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking for looking forward to it as well as a Real Madrid fan. But uh, anyways, oh, okay. once, <laughs> once again, man, thank thank you so much for joining us and uh, good luck uh, on, on Saturday uh, against uh, Swope Park Rangers. Uh, hope to see you there and uh, and hope we are able to get uh, another win. I appreciate that. I I agree. Hopefully, we get another win. And I want to thank you for for having me on the show and for all the work that you do covering the team and, and, and supporting the organization. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's very valuable and we really appreciate everything that you do for us. So I'm uh, looking forward to speaking with you more. Uh, yeah, definitely. Just, uh, uh, we'll, we'll keep in touch uh, and you're always welcome to, uh, to be back on the show, man. All right. I appreciate it. Have a great day. All right. You too. Enjoy your evening. You too. All right, guys. So that was uh, our RGV goalkeeper, Nico Cordy. Um, an exclusive interview on uh, Down in the Valley. So we're going to go on break uh, because the dog is kind of being weird right now. Uh, But when we come back, we will continue to talk more about the San Antonio game, the South Texas Derby, as well as we'll be talking about, like we mentioned, the game against uh, Swope Park Rangers. And uh, so don't go away just yet. We'll, We'll be back in a little bit. All right, guys, welcome back to the second hour of Down in the Valley. Uh, hope you guys uh, enjoyed the, the interview we had uh, with Nico Cordy. So now we're back and we're going to continue uh, going on what we were talking about uh, with the San Antonio match. Um, so we don't have the, we're not going to go over the highlights to, today uh, due to some uh, time constraints that, that we had. Uh, however, like we mentioned, a couple of things that we one, we kind of want to touch up on if we have not, if, uh, if y'all have not watched uh, the pregame show. And uh, one of the things I did want to talk about, obviously, is the fact that uh, during the week, you saw Jose Escalante kind of trying to pick, I don't want to say pick a fight, but more along the lines of uh, trying, trying to gloat and um, make himself look good in front of the San Antonio fans. Um, so we know that Kyle Murphy was uh, signed by the San Antonio FC. And so right after that, you know, Escalante was like, oh, welcome to the, to the best team in, and the best team in Texas with the, uh, with the best fans and things like that. And it just erupted into a, a small-scale Twitter war between Escalante and some RGV FC fans. Uh, Jacob, I know, I'm pretty sure you, you've seen, uh, you saw a couple of those tweets. Yeah, for sure. I did see a couple of those tweets and just, I mean, it's classic. It's just a classic, you know, rivalry thing, especially to do. Jose Escalante, not only, of course, I mean, we do look back at also Houston and how, you know, they were able to basically just let the guy go as well. And so that, 
that was a bit frustrating in its own because as we've talked about before, you know, why is Houston Dynamo, you know, letting all these players go when they had talent in the RGV, but then bringing them up. And so then Jose Escalante, of course, being just still a young adult, being inexperienced with this stuff, just decides, let me start something. Let me show San Antonio FC fans that I can start basically some beef. And he obviously went after that and said the things that he said. And then RGVFC fans being our fans, they stood, they stood up and said, obviously the things that they said and boom right there rivalry week started honestly to to be fair i am kind of glad that this was started because i had seen a lot of comments from san antonio fc fans uh saying that they were hopeful they were hopeful for austin to get their usl team if they don't get their mls team because they wanted to create the rivalry there and they also wanted to do something with el paso because they felt that the RG, RGV rivalry was was going to be was too stale or, or things like that, and this just pretty much freshened up this rivalry. You know, you know, to the point where we're ta- we were talking about you know stats, making memes, you know, all this good old good old fashioned banter between both uh, both uh, supporters. You know, it 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 was it was pleasing to see. And what was more pleasing to see for me was the fact that, not, if I recall correctly, nothing was person. There were no personal attacks. It was just good old, uh, good old uh, friendly banter. Yeah, that, that's true. It was just some good old friendly, friendly banter, and it re- also reminds me of how you know the FC Frisco and Houston Dynamo rivalry is because at for a while there it was stale in my opinion, Houston Dynamo had a bigger rivalry with SKC. And so when that happened, FC Frisco just had to uh, shake things up. And I believe it was last year when, or either not last year, but the year before that FC Frisco had to say the Houston Dynamo supporters were being really rowdy. They weren't listening to everything, and they're banned for five years from bringing their drums and banners and things like that. And so then, guess what? That sparked up a new rivalry, and that's just basically what had happened here. We needed this little refresher to say, look, this is how the stats have been, and we're going to beat you guys, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I... Honestly, like I said, I'm glad because, you know, for a while, like you say, you know, uh, Houston, because of the, all those uh, rivalries, all those games in finals, conference finals, and and when we in the MLS playoffs, you know, that sparked a rivalry with Swope, I'm not Swope, uh, Sporting Kansas City, and we pretty much got left uh, Frisco relegated, to, and, and this, in this case, you know, I figure that the problem is going back is that the it hurts to say this, but the San Antonio fan base is much more rabid in a larger scale about their team than the RGBFC fan base. Because if you if you look closely, you know most of the people who participated in this in this banter against Escalante were members of the Stampede. And the occasional, you know, Houston Dynamo uh, fo- followers. Uh, 
you know, whereas in with San Antonio, do you, you see a lot more variety of people that participated, you know, trying to troll the Down in the Valley account or tr trying to troll the RGBFC Facebook, you know, account or even the USL fans um, Facebook page, you know. So hopefully, you know, these these rivalry heating up and the Toros doing better will ignite more people to be more passionate uh, about about their team and defending them from from a rival uh, a rival banter um, and it was and it's pretty interesting uh, going back to the point that I was making that you know San Antonio said that well the rivalry is dying yet in when it matters the most on the field RGVFC has been more victorious against San Antonio we went over the stats you know it's four wins for RGV and only two against San Antonio, and both of them were uh, in uh, last season where we weren't doing that great. And it's interesting because they brought up the point of, well, you know, um, we've uh, won the only game uh, at that time. We've won the only game in HB Park, so obviously we're uh, we're the ones that control. Yet we've beat them twice in their own field. So what's that? What's that? What does that mean? Obviously, that RGV has just been proved uh, for the for the more consistently be a, been a better team uh, compared to San Antonio. Oh, for sure, yeah. It's just that comparison right there, and you also brought up a good point that you know San Antonio FC they've got a better fan base in a way that's more rapid. Guess what? They've been a team for a longer time. Sure, it hasn't been technically San Antonio FC. But it was still like the San Antonio Scorpions, mm -hmm. and they were part of maybe the NASL or USL. Not entirely sure on that, but NASL. And yeah, exactly. And so when you when you have a longer fan base than that, you get more people. When when you have you know consistently good seasons where you're making the playoffs, you get more fans. And so that's what San Antonio as FC has over. RGVFC, and it will just take a bit of time for that rivalry, you know, to grow into a bigger one. Mm -hmm. They're going to, San Antonio FC, guess what? If they want to start another rivalry with El Paso or even uh, Austin, it's still going to take time for those rivalries to grow because they will still have that same problem. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, it just, right now, it just needs to grow and it will be a much more fierce battle where obviously we will have more fans from RGVFC starting to join in on those friendly banters. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting to point out, uh, continuing on with this conversation, is like for so many years, for so many months, for you know these, as long as this rivalry has has started, uh, they always say, "Well, you know, RGV sucks," you know, blah blah blah, and yet. They've taken two XRGV players in the name of Escalante and now Kyle Murphy. Plus, they've also taken a homegrown talent in the name of Mikey Lopez from Mission, Texas. So, which is it, San Antonio fans? Does the RGV suck? Or are we so good so far as, uh, as a region that you're trying to get our players in order to try to compete against us. 
Mic drop. Yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah. you hit it re- perfectly right there. They've stolen, obviously, Escalante. They've stolen Kyle Murphy, and then they've stole the guy from Mission. And so, since, obviously, we talked about it before, too, RGVFC, they have the perfect scheme, in a way. You're really close to, where is it, Mexico? And in that section, you have a lot of people that love to play soccer that are passionate about this, that are looking to have a an opportunity, not just in Liga MX, but an opportunity to play professional soccer. And if they can start up in, you know, the RGV area, then that is perfect because guess what? That's United States soccer, and that's mainly where it can take you to grow your game. And so right there, that's a great pull. And it's like a recruiting battle, even in soccer, in college soccer and in especially college football. If you have this great pull, why aren't you going for it? And that's why San Antonio FC has picked up those players. Yeah, it's more along the lines of what have we let go than actually, you know, the fact that they that they took them took them away from us, you know. They decided, oh, you know what, maybe they're not good enough when they actually are. And guess what? San Antonio's just waiting there to to pick up on our scraps, pretty much. So uh, we'll go ahead and, and leave uh, San Antonio alone because I think we've pretty much burned them too much. Uh, enough for today. Um, yeah, uh, hold on. Just one minute. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, uh, and go ahead and call and call in again. Uh, sorry, guys. All right, so it, it looks like uh, Ray is uh, calling in, but I was been having a little bit of problem with uh, Skype right now. Um, so we'll be talking about in a little bit uh, about uh, Swap Park Rangers. So let's kind of uh, tease in a little bit, uh, Jacob. So, Swell Park Rangers have been doing well uh, this season so far. All right, so, all right, let's go ahead and, hold on. I don't know what's wrong with, I don't know what's wrong with, with Skype where it's not allowing me to, like, I'm pressing the, the, look, Rave, you can see, like, I'm, I'm pressing the, the the answer uh, button, and it won't it won't let me answer. So I'll go. Hold on. Sometimes I hate technology. Sorry about that. All right. So like like I was uh, mentioning, uh, RGVFC have been um, or not RGVFC, Swell Park Rangers. Have have been doing well. I guess pretty much like their counterpart, uh, they're in their first team. So overall, they are at four wins, two losses, and three ties. Away, they are two, two, and two. Um, away, they have played against uh, Reno 1868. They won three to four over there. Um, and then also they also visited Las Vegas Lights, uh, where they lost to Las Vegas two to one. 
visited San Antonio where they tied 1-1, visited Phoenix Rising where they tied 2-2, and then they visited OKC Energy, who's not really doing well right now, um, and they have uh, and they won by the minimum score of uh, 1-2-0. And uh, so their next away game is going to be against RGVFC. So how, do, how does that uh, translate into the standings? Is that in the Western Conference, uh, Swope Park... All right, please let it work now. All right, I think... All right, I think finally it'll work. I had, I had to pre uh, pretty much uh, close out the program so that it'll, it'll let me answer. So, Ray, how are you doing, man? Hey, good evening, Edson. How are you, sir? Real good, real good. Uh, struggling with technology, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> so, Boy, uh, isn't that a first first class problem? Well, I mean, you know what they say. And, and you know what the worst part is is like it's been cons it's been consistent because we struggled on Saturday. We're str we we're struggling for a little bit uh, while Nico Nico was uh, on the line, uh, but thankfully we were able to get a lot of uh, a lot of good uh, tidbits out out of that. Uh, out of that interview, Did, uh, were you able to listen to it? Yeah, I listened to the, the bits and pieces of it. Been doing some work on the outside before I can uh, finally chime in. Kahlo, <laughs> uh, you missed, uh, you pretty much missed the uh, interview with Nico Cordy, but don't worry, the, we'll have the, uh, the podcast version uh, uh, up uploaded, um, hopefully by tonight. So be sure to check right. out uh, SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher, Google, uh, Play Store, and iTunes. But Google, all those platforms, except for SoundCloud, will probably be until tomorrow. But SoundCloud, for sure, will be available by tonight. So, Ray, what, nice. what are your thoughts? What were your thoughts on the San Antonio match? Restrepo plus ten, I guess. <laughs> That's if, a simple way to put it. If, if, if anything else, I mean, I mentioned it during the show on Saturday. Our number one key was to pepper him with shots and pepper him often. Let, let's let's give this guy goalie of the week honors. Why not? Well, I, well, he sure did enough, actually. <laughs> we, we gave it to him on a silver platter. Yeah, de definitely. I mean, he won. He made it to the to the team of the week, if I'm not mistaken, uh, because of exactly. because of that. But, you know, I think for the most part, RG RGV played well. It's just, you know, when you're going up again, like I mentioned just, in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like I said in the beginning, you know, yeah, when mean, you're going up against the wall like Restrepo, it's kind of hard. Yeah, I mean, uh, final third just needs a little bit more work, a little bit more cohesiveness, and we should be fine. I mean, now that we've starting started to get that back line gelled out together, and whatnot. Now it's just now just trying to put that full ninety minute show, you know, like they did against Orange County. Mm -hmm. I would like to see some, uh, something like that displayed. Uh, however, just be a little bit more offensive and not wait out on the opponent uh, until they wear out, and maybe put in a nice, uh, a fresh pair of legs to beat to beat them down the lines and stuff like that. Well, I, I think to be to be honest. Um, RGV FC came out guns blazing, and you, I mean you see you, know, you see the stats where for the most part in the first mm -hmm. half, you know it was a constant RGV FC attack. I mean I saw you know uh, worried faces on the San Antonio supporters that made the trip oh, uh, over there. 
And so, you know, I, I think they started well, but then during halftime, San Antonio made some minor adjustments. I guess they kind of got, got themselves uh, together. And that's where you started seeing San Antonio kind of controlling more of the game. You started seeing them um, not necessarily make putting in a lot of danger uh, onto um, Nico Cordy, but they were able to get themselves more often uh, outside the box where players like Escalante and Gordon would see themselves getting fouled uh, soft, uh, with some soft calls um, as well. But they did. Uh, they were getting a lot of free kicks from right outside the box. And I know a couple of times uh, you were like, "Well, this is this is going to be very dangerous." Yeah, and 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 it's just again, I, I it, it's just maybe a tendency that I've that I've seen, and, and maybe uh, that it, I'm starting to pick up a little bit more that in the uh, final third when they kind of uh, give up that cheap foul lead to a. Uh, that peace opportunity. Uh, that's just the thing that worries me the most is that, you know, you give up that foul, you give up that set piece opportunity. And, you know, it's just those clear opportunities that they need to eliminate. Now, as far as going to the, uh, to the offensive third, okay, fine. Yes. We peppered Restrepo. Maybe we weren't cynical, but now, the time to like, uh, you know, just work on it more, a little bit more on the training ground type of thing, and and hopefully against Hope Park Rangers, we're able to come out with the positive, the positive result that we want. Now here's just hoping that a Sporting KC doesn't loan out like an entire starting eleven like they did last year for a certain game. <laughs> and I think they ended up losing that one game. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I remember because it was. Um... I think we won two to zero, if I'm not mistaken, and it was like mostly Jacob. I'm sure you remember that one. Where where Swell Park had mo- most of uh, uh, Sporting Kansas City's starting lineup or and bench bench players, and they still lost against uh, RGVFC, who, if I'm not mistaken, did not have any or invent- or maybe just one player loaded loaned down uh, from the Dynamo. One of the things that kind of uh, well, I was laughing about that is because. Uh, late in the game, if I'm not mistaken, Sporting Kansas or Swell Park Rangers uh, had a penalty uh, again, you know, in favor, and the player who took it was none other than Pablo Nagamura, an ex Tigre player, and was saved by the goalkeeper. If I'm not mistaken, that was back in 2016. If I'm not mistaken, and so that means that Callum Irving was was still. Uh, as uh, RGVSC's goalkeeper. Yeah, and you're right. I, I do recall that. And they even did that uh, at some point last season as well, and it kind of backfired. And now most of those fringe players aren't even with Sporting Kansas City anymore. I believe a couple of them are with Sacramento. Another a couple of other are with, uh, oh, man, I mean, most of those bench players are now scattered across the league. Mm-hmm. And now they have like a, a brand new like uh, bench system for Swope Park Rangers and whatnot. So uh, hopefully that we're able. Uh, hopefully if they're able to come away with three points Saturday night, uh, hopefully we're talking a, another positive result, not a dire draw, and hopefully we can come away with it. So yeah, I really hope so. So now that we've made a transition to uh, the game against Swope Park Rangers. 
um, and kind of take advantage that all, all three of us are here. Wish we could have Cesar as well. Um, but uh, I'll go ahead and go with you first, uh, Jacob. What are your keys to the game against Swope? Keys to the game. Let's see here. The keys to the game for sure. One is the offense. And what I mean by that is they just have to, from the start, control the game. And if they're able to basically control that game from that kickoff, maybe, you know, get those extra shots on goal, most likely one of those will fall in. I did talk about that earlier, but I think that may be key uh, for Saturday night if they can get some extra shots and just make sure to be careful. Another would be, for sure, the defense. When they're on defense, hopefully they don't, you know, feel that pressure of being pinned back constantly and not, you know, just being able to stop uh, Swope Park from basically getting down to where the goalkeeper has to be the last line of defense. And if they can do that, I think that'll be good. And then the last one, obviously, is the mental relapses. They just have to stay focused. As long as they stay focused, especially in that last uh, line of defense, where, you know, if the man who has made some errors on the road doesn't make those errors and plays like he did on Saturday, I think this team will come out with a win for sure. All right. Those are, those are, really, those are really, really, really good uh, keys. Uh, Ray, what are yours? Yes. Uh, uh, I just say we got to repeat the same performance that we did against, uh, like we did against San Antonio, except that we got to uh, hopefully get a rebound or two to go our way, maybe find somebody behind us that can put the ball behind the net. Uh, obviously, uh, another thing to clean up is those cheap fouls when they're being pressed against the counter. Not to give up those cheap fouls that will lead to set-piece opportunities. I, I, I feel like we've been lucky in that defensive end that we haven't given up those set-pieces goal within the last uh, two, three games. Mm -hmm. I would like to continue to see that trend of holding zero uh they're holding the shutout streak for Cordy and hope that we can come away with three points if it's a, a minimum one nothing win at the very last second. Que suceda la tragedia. <laughs> I will gladly take it. Yeah, I'm def I, I, that, I think that'd be really, really... Um, I'm trying to remember the, the think of the word, but... It's gonna put pretty much the fans like at the edge of their seats, you know, you know, make like getting that win. Just like, for example, it was in in some way or another the Orange County game, because yes, we were winning one zero, but everybody's like, okay, are they going to have like a mental relapse? Are they gonna make one mistake that's gonna cost us the win, like it had been against uh, Sacramento and against St. Louis? And then in the in, you know in stoppage time, Alu Quintanilla with that wonderful goal, you know against Orange County, and there was like, whew, now we can kind of breathe a sigh of relief. And in this game, I just hope a little bit more, more, more of the same, uh, where we get the win, but it, but it's in in a such a cardiac way that people will will just cherish and man, I'm getting hungry. Um, you know, savor, savor that, savor that moment, you know, 
and that uh, so to hopefully you know get get more fans you know to enjoy the game uh, for the most part, not only because of the result, but the way how RGV was able to get the result. Well, hey, let's just give a nice courtesy plug to our friends over at HGV Park. Another two dollars special before the game starts. What else could go wrong? Dollar nachos, two dollar drinks, can't beat it. Yeah, and honestly, guys, go, go. Tickets are five dollars uh, to to this game. Um, and let's and let's not also forget, just because I'm an alum from there, uh, or it's also going to be PSJ ISD night. Yes, mm-hmm. shameless plug. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll have quite a few friends out there. Yeah. And hopefully I'll be able to run into them uh, right as I'm going to go get post-game interview material. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, definitely. You know, go out, enjoy, the, enjoy, have yourself some beers, or if you're not a drinker, there's always liquor. Or if you don't drink alcohol at all, there's sodas. You know, they're decent. You know, the food is decently priced. You know, you get a, you get you get your money's worth because it's the burgers are from Fuddruckers. You know, the chicken tenders are good as well. You know, pre before the game, you know, like like Ray mentioned, two uh, two dollar beers, uh, nachos. You know, and it, and it's a good tacos. You know, it's a it's a it's a good time. It's a good time for for your family. You know, to go out with the friends and watch watch some uh, professional soccer because in the end, even though it's D two, it's professional soccer. And from and best part of it all, it's our team, it's our Rio Grande Valley team. And I believe that they've done so far. They've done what it takes for us to be proud of saying, "Hey, you know what? These players that are out on the pitch, they are representing RGVFC like they should." You know, even when they're down, they then they never give up, you know, and we've seen that many times. We saw that against Fresno, you know, coming back from these mental mistakes. Not every team is able to do it. And RGVFC does that. So I, I'm proud to have these players on on my roster. So let's we can go ahead and analyze uh, Swole Park a little bit further uh, before we kind of uh, and and this uh, RGV aspect of this uh, of the show. So like I mentioned their overall record is 2 4 and 3. Um so far in the standings I believe they they're, they're kind of like they are in the middle of the playoff spots and uh the the players that we really have to uh take care of. So we have oh you know it's interesting so I was talking about Pablo Nagamura when he missed that penalty. He's the coach. I did not. I did not realize that, that Pablo Nagamura is the head coach of Swole Park Rangers. So stat leaders for or for Swole Park Rangers so far this season, we do have uh, Carlton Belmar seven appearances with eight goals, followed in second yeah, place. Yeah, Belmar by- is the one guy you got to keep an eye on. Uh, he has been one of those guys that's been on and off with Sporting KC, and now I think he's he's found his uh, rhythm for Swope Park Rangers. Go on. And then followed in second with uh, Haji Berry with uh, nine appearances and three goals. However, Berry is the leading assister with four assists uh, for Swope Park Rangers, followed by Colton Storm with two assists. 
Uh, as far as shots, uh, no, no surprise that uh, Carlton Belmar has made 16 shots. And combined with the fact that he has scored eight goals, you're talking about uh, an efficiency of 50%. Yeah, he, he's the one guy that, you know, you're going to have to, like, pay special attention to out on the pitch. Mark him, keep him tight, uh, make him feel uncomfortable, just don't commit the silly foul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely uh, one of the things that we did see um, where they pretty much uh, put themselves at a disadvantage to the to the attacker. And they, they, they have no choice, or they think that they have no choice but to foul them. But they end up conceding these fouls in very dangerous spots. Um, so as far as clean sheets, they've only had two. Um, they're both, uh, and each goalkeeper, Darren McLeod uh, and Adrian Sendejas, both have uh, one clean sheet apiece. Um, so, so- Sendejas just happens to be one of those uh, French sporting KC guys in case. Their backup keeper goes down, or their starter goes down. He would be the first guy to be immediately called uh, called up upon. So, I, w- I would not be surprised if we see Sandejas uh, underneath the post or between the pipes. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised. So, w- what are your thoughts, Jacob? Yeah, exactly the same deal. I would not be surprised. It's going to be interesting to see what, you know, exactly, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what SKC, or SKC, well, what Swope brings, especially. And, yeah, it's just, it's going to be interesting. So, another interesting aspect that I kind of want to bring up about um, Swope Park Rangers is, so, as far as the defense goes, they have uh, conceded... 15 goals uh, so far this season, which uh, you're talking about uh, 1.7 goals per game. Uh, They have not conceded any penalties. Uh, Tackle success rate is at 73.2, and uh, they've won uh, 56.6% of aerial duels. Now, in comparison, RGVFC stats in those same parameters are... um, I swear... With this USL page. Um, All right. So we have played nine games. We have conceded 13 goals. So we have a a better defense than Swope Park Rangers uh, so far. And a lot of those goals, like we've talked about many times, have been mental mistakes uh, by our end. So um, three clean sheets and three conceded penalties. That is another thing that we have to take care of. Make sure and go. That's, the, that's what I mean by silly challenges. Mm-hmm. We cannot afford to give up uh, those set piece opportunities that either allow penalty or even given a free kick goal. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean by the silly penalties. Yeah, definitely. So, guys uh, who are watching right now, the. Uh, the live stream. Be, be sure to share it with your friends. Uh, be sure to uh, leave a like, and uh, and go ahead and you can all you can always participate in the chat if you guys want uh, an uh, 
uh, soccer-related uh, topic you guys want us to talk about uh, for the end of the show because uh, we still got 20, 23 minutes uh, till the end. And we're pretty much wrapping up the R RGV uh, FC uh, portion of it. So having gone through these, uh, these uh, stats by Swole Park uh, Rangers, the fact that they have only won twice on the road, they've they lost twice and tied twice. RGVFC at home has hasn't been that great. Obviously, going back to the um, the um, those mental lapses where we've only won once, and pretty much the rest of them have been, the games have been ties. Um, but independent of that, do you see RGV coming away with the three points? Mm, I wouldn't be surprised with yet another draw. But then again, I mean, they have been playing. They have been playing so well these last three home games that I think they're due for for three points at home. Mm -hmm. Jacob. Um. Well, yeah, same here because I mean, three points is key for them to get, especially at home, and against a tough Swope Park team that will most likely. Give it their all. It's going to be interesting because of the fact that, well, yeah, they've been playing fantastically. And like I even said, for the keys, as long as they can get out to a good start and have more shots on goal, they can come out of here with a victory because they are more than capable of doing it. I mean, we heard uh, Jerson Echeverry say almost the exact same thing. Uh, Todd Wharton. And the, both of them were saying, it, we're on track for these three points. We just need to play a bit better. We just need to actually, you know, go in and score goals. So they're capable, and I believe that they can come away with three points. Um, do, you want, do you want to add anything, uh, Ray? No, I mean, it's just that, hey, look, I mean, the team is, I, I, I believe the team is just getting better. I just think they just got to be more clinical in the final third offensively. Uh, sadly, it, 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 hasn't, uh, it hasn't been there for our last three home games, but I, I just feel that the team is just due for one, you know. Mm -hmm. they're, they're due for, for some home goals and, 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 and get the crowd involved in the, into the game. Yeah, man, that's, that's hopefully that's exactly what happens. So... We are going to be there on Saturday. Um, I highly doubt that we'll have a live stream like we did again uh, last last Saturday, but we will be doing uh, like we've always done uh, live tweeting uh, through Ray's uh, Twitter handle, uh, which is <laughs> at cardpicker86. So uh, I will be also doing a little bit of, uh, of my own uh, opinions uh, on. Uh, on the Down in the Valley uh, Twitter Twitter account, so be sure to follow follow us. Uh, you can also follow um, uh, Jacob uh, at Jake. Uh, go ahead and uh, remind me, is it Jacob Young ninety uh, nine? Well, that would be every other one except for Twitter. Jacob Young four five six would be my Twitter handle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I got I got it switched up, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so be sure be sure guys uh, who are listening to us right now, uh, if you guys want to uh, be in uh, 
be up to date on what's going on in this uh, Swole Park Rangers versus RGBFC game, be sure to follow us and uh, uh, be sure to interact with us uh, during the game. You know, tweet tweet at us. You know, or you know, do you agree with what we're talking about? Do you not agree with what we're talking about? Do you just want to uh, 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 troll? I'm I'm fine with uh, trolling. I'm not sure about the other guys, but uh, going. But honestly, just be sure to uh, follow us. We'll try to give you as much information as possible uh, live uh, from HEB Park. Um, so be nice about the trolling. That's all I'm going to say. Be nice. <laughs> So, all right. And I don't think there's any kindness when it comes to trolling. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it kind of it kind of depends how how far you want to take it. But um, so, guys, what is what is going to be your um, predictions for this game? Let's start with regular predictions, and then we'll continue with the uh, tradition with bold predictions. Ray. Um. I say we take this one two to one, uh, and yes, there will be a tragedy at the end of the game, and we score the game winner. That's normal. What about your bold? Uh, bold prediction uh, that we come out firing on all cylinders and come away with a four four nil victory. <laughs> that's that's a good one. That's a good one, Jacob. Yeah, okay, so my normal prediction is I think we'll go away, come away with a 2-0 victory. I think the goalkeeper for, for Soap Park will uh, make a couple of mistakes to allow, you know, two goals to go into the back of the net. And, yeah, we come away with a 2-0 victory. Everything pretty much regular, and we're firing on all cylinders as well. And a bold prediction? And then my bold prediction would be this: uh, I've seen it. I've seen us play against them a bit before, and it there has been some. I guess I could call them sketchy moments, as in a lot of yellows almost. Mm -hmm. uh, it and so I say there will probably be two red cards, maybe from each team. I think we'll see maybe a ten on ten match, and both teams will score probably because. Yeah, both teams will probably score a couple of goals each, and then right in the 95th minute, yes, there will be six minutes of added time, and right in the 95th minute, the Toros will take that 3-2 to two win. 3-2. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. So my... <laughs> no, no, no. Central area, Real remate goal. Okay, all right. So my prediction would be that um, RGVFC comes comes with a win, and I'm going to say that it's going to be one zero. Once again, in the last in the dying moments of the game, my bold prediction will be that actually had a, a bold prediction like already thought up, but then I just saw that Sporting Kansas City plays the the following day in Minnesota, so that's not going to happen. But my bold prediction for that one is going to be that Bryce Marion will score the game-winning goal. Oh, man. Wow. He's going yeah, that's a really good bold prediction. Product. Wow. He, he, 
that guy's going for the fences, folks. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, man. But um, but that's what bold predictions are for. Hey, it's happened before. Uh, and Sean, his bold prediction was the 5-0 win against um, uh, Toronto. And it came true. So <laughs> it can happen. You never know. I heard that one. Yeah, <laughs> you never I know. I heard that one. Yep, pretty much. So, um, all right, guys. So that's pretty much it for the RGB portion of, of the show. Um, all right. So we have 15 minutes to pretty much talk whatever soccer. Champions League. All right. Champions League. Let's go ahead and touch upon that again. So, all right. Ray, what have you, what are your thoughts on this Champions League final? Okay, I'm a Liverpool guy. Uh, Mo Salah has been like instant hero for me. Um, I would like, you know, this is where Jurgen Klopp really just scares me as a manager. Uh, the two finals that he has had, he's both lost them. But I think the third time is a charm for Jurgen Klopp. Uh, I think Liverpool will pull this one out in extra time. I think Sadio Mane might be Liverpool's unsung hero. Uh, this Despite being outshined by Mohamed Salah, mm-hmm. I think Liverpool takes this two to one in extra time. That's just my gut take with this. Uh, Real Madrid, what they've got going for them is that they've played these types of games before. Mm-hmm. They know what it is like to uh, to battle it out, go into extra time, and and win these types of games. But I just feel that uh, that Liverpool might get a little bit shell-shocked with that rampant offense that they have of of this uh, heavy metal type of football. You know, you have your nice classic soccer, you know, that they play beautiful, but I just think that Jurgen Klopp just brings out that Metallica, ACDC type of, of, uh, rock on type of football, that free flowing football that I guess the modern game is now used to seeing. Mm -hmm. But that's my take on it. Two to one, Liverpool an extra time. And Jacob, I believe the last time we talked about this, you mentioned that Liverpool was going to take it. Do you still stand by that? I still stand by it. Of course, it. Kind of in a different sense, and why do I say that is because both both teams, you know, will travel to the final. It's at a a neutral field, and so that's pretty nice because no true home advantage will really take place. It won't be you know sold out with just a white crowd, and what I mean by that is you know for the Blancos, yes, and it won't be sold out with just red as well. So it's gonna most likely be a lot of half and half and so no one's really going to take advantage of that home crowd that's pretty nice and so i still see liverpool taking it and yeah Mane, i think is going to come away with something really special 
besides obviously Mohammed, you know, being being able to be that guy to make that last pass for Mane to put it in the back of the net. Yeah. I, I mean, please. You go ahead. <clears throat> no, you go ahead. That's a lot. That's what pretty much a lot of the people that I've talked to and I've asked about the Champions League final. That has been pretty much the you know the focal point of almost all of these people is that they feel that Liverpool is going because of how their offense has been in Champions League that that is going to take them you know uh, to winning the, the the title from I guess you can see the favorite which is Real Madrid for the same reason that you're talking about pretty much the seasoned team in these instances. It's no fluke that they've made their third, that they're going for their third Champions League in a row, you know, and have been consistently at the stage, you know, for the last couple of years. Well, they've mm -hmm. been consistently at that stage for sure. But my obviously question is can they put that? last two legs behind them and why do I say that is because they really didn't play Real Madrid soccer in those last two legs in my opinion to get to that final they were they I felt like they were holding something back because constantly throughout that game Bayern Munich had opportunity after opportunity to put the ball close to the back of the net and then of course, that didn't happen, and they gifted Real Madrid a lot of, you know, the goals that ended up happening. Mm -hmm. And when that happened, I just felt like, in a, in a way, Liverpool looks like the better side at the moment, comparing them from those two games. Obviously, they did play two different teams, but Roma, in my opinion, too, was really matched up well with Bayern Munich, so... Mm -hmm. I just, I just feel that Real Madrid, because um, they had to battle a lot of injuries, and we men I mentioned that before as well, and um, it was kind of those moments where they were going to try and play with the results. After all, they did get a win at Bayern, at Bayern Munich, so they were going to try and play the result. Now, against Juventus, it almost backfired on them. And against Bayern Munich, I feel that the same thing was going to happen to them had it not been for Kaylor Navas. Now, keep this in mind. The Champions League final is a one-legged game, which means that Real Madrid is, gonna have, is going to go all out. They're not going to stay back and see what the opposing team is going to do. Which means that they're going to try to dictate the game for mo for most for the most minutes. Try and try to get the the goals needed to try to avoid Liverpool having the possession, especially your top three players out uh, that are up in the top, which is Mane, Mohamed Salah, and Firmino. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think that's what uh, uh, Zinedine Zidane is going to try to 
uh, model this game. Now, granted, if Liverpool gets an early goal, that is going to completely change the whole outcome of the game and the whole planning by Zinedine Zidane. At least that's the way I see it. Yes, for sure. Um, and it also brings back to my point with that last leg with Liverpool as well. Uh, I think I had spoken about it before the last time that we had talked about this, and I also feel like uh, Liverpool was holding something back as well. They were wanting to play the result in the last leg. And so, it again, it almost backfired for the team that was the favorite when they only ended up winning, I believe, 7-6 to six in aggregate. Yes. And now, of course, it is a one-legged final. And it's going to be interesting. Both teams are going to go all out. The question is, especially this one question, because I know how much of a hothead this player gets, which is Sergio Ramos. If that guy can keep his cool, I think he'll... I think Real Madrid has, you know, a good shot of winning at the same time that as long as both teams are able to keep their players, you know, under under cool and not make those dumb mistakes, dumb fouls where it's in the jeopardy of getting sent off early in the game, I think we're looking at a good game probably going into extra time. That, that's another interesting aspect uh, of it as well. And yes, Sergio Ramos does, uh, does make those dumb fouls uh, sometimes that gets him a yellow. And then later on in the game, he puts, gets put in the predicament where he has to foul a player, and he ends, he that's how he gets his second and, and uh, gets sent off. So it will be interesting to to see how that how the that uh, mental aspect plays out for both teams. So, can, uh, Ray, you got any anything else uh, you want to talk about before we go? The wing backs is also going to be a very important factor for Liverpool. Will they recover James Milner on time, and will Andy Robertson be the speed demon? down the other side that uh, that they truly had informed this past season. Those are going to be two of the biggest wild card factors. How Milner and uh, Robertson can be uh, linking up as uh, the wing backs to be able to provide Mane, Firmino, and Salah that final, that final ball in the final third to give them uh, the best chance at, at breaking a deadlock. That's uh, another of the key factors for this match, uh, how often they uh, they come up on the attack. De that definitely as well. And um, obviously, so based on whoever wins the UEFA Champions League, number one, they earn a spot in the UEFA Super Cup, in which uh, Atletico Madrid is waiting for their opponent. They actually won... Uh, today, by the score of 3-0 in the final against Olympique Marseille, uh, granted, I it was kind of this. I was kind of disappointed by Mar uh, Marseille's showing in, in this game. Um, I mean, they lost Payet uh, due to injury, and another than that. Yeah, was he just, touched the trophy. You don't do that. Yeah, and it's funny because a lot of people, oh well, you know, it's just superstition, yada yada. But so many times it's happened. It's got to be more than just a coincidence. 
but it's like, when, I it's, agree like it. it's like the it's like the day when you get married you, you you don't see you don't see your your future wife until you actually get to the church yeah definitely jacob yeah it's the same deal for me it's a big superstition yeah you don't touch the trophy because before you go in it's the same reason why before every uh sports event that i go to that i'm bringing you know for my team i drink a dr pepper it's just my superstition and, uh, and sometimes you know when i haven't drank a dr pepper my team loses and when i do my team wins so and it's happened multiple times so sometimes i feel like it's not a coincidence so yeah i i see it's just not too smart but we'll see what happens Interesting to point out out of that game, uh, just quickly before we uh, sign off for the day. Uh, so two things out of that Atletico Madrid. Obviously, you have Antoine Griezmann, in which there's rumors that he's, uh, he's going to be leaving the Colchoneros. Is it going to be with Barcelona? Is it Real Madrid? The rumors state more clearly that it's probably heading over to Barcelona. There's uh, now uh, listening to the broadcast on uh, Cope Radio in, in, of Madrid. Um, Atlético Madrid is trying the best that they can to make sure that uh, that uh, Griezmann stays. What is what? What do y'all think? Is he staying or will he leave? I say there's a good chance he goes, and and, and I think the one wall card factor that uh, Atlético might also lose is Coque, who hadn't so. A very very productive game. I, I think Atletico, if they lose those two, Simeone goes as well. I mean, there's just no way that uh, Diego Simeone can withstand to get his his um, squad getting hampered like that in the transfer market. Yeah, I mean, definitely. But you know, it comes to a, it comes to a point whether you start seeing what is it well. Is Simeone's success the players, or is it the way he runs the players? Is it the talent? Well, again, is it the talent yeah, of the I, players themselves? I think it's both. I think it's both. I mean, you got to have commitment from the player and commitment from the coach in order to get uh, everything functioning, which is a pretty big reason why Atletico has been very, very successful over the last five, five, uh, six years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I agree on the same way because of the fact that we've seen already Atletico losing one player, which would be Fernando Torres, and now he's pro they're probably going to lose more. We're, this is, I think, a sign that we are going to see you know Atletico Madrid slowly uh, come down for a second, and obviously they'll need to pick up in the summer transfer window and try and get you know these stars back, or at least try and get those stars to stay because if they don't they're going to be in a big hole definitely i mean we see so many teams i mean take a look at dortmund i mean they got to a point with jurgen klopp where they battled uh against the powerhouse of germany which is Bayern munich in uh champions league in uh winning the you know winning the the actual uh bundesliga now it's gotten to a point where Bayern Munich has completely bought, you know, most of their stars, you know, Lewandowski, Getze, uh, Jurgen Klopp leaving to Liverpool. 
where Dortmund is just not the same anymore because he lost those players that made Borussia or those key pieces, I might say, that made Borussia Dortmund so good, you know, the, those those years. And I think it's just the state yeah, of modern football. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you, you saw Dortmund just barely get into the Champions League, and now they're going to be facing a long overhaul with getting a new coach and probably having to sign some of these uh, younger, better players from the from the smaller German teams in order to re to rebuild and hopefully try to compete with Bayern Munich once again in the Bundesliga. Now, my question to to you to you all to both both of y'all because uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up uh, already. But this is this is a really uh, good good discussion. When what at what time is enough going to be enough? Where Bayern Munich completely has a monopoly over the good players uh, in the, in the Bundesliga. At what time are the Bundesliga fans going to say? Enough, enough that every year it's pretty much Bayern and the real battle as to who's going to get second place. At what time are it, it, or will it ever get to the point? Well, this would be a topic for next week, but the same thing is going. The same thing is going on in Italy and in Scotland, and also uh, to some extent in Spain. Because you've got in Spain, you got Barcelona, Real Madrid. In Scotland, you got Celtic, and in Italy, you've got uh, Juventus. Mm -hmm. And then in Germany, you got Bayern Munich. So it's kind of difficult uh, having to put financial fair play into play now. But I think it's just now up to the uh, federation to try to do something about it. And let's not forget France with uh, Paris Saint Germain. I mean. They, yeah, they've won how many? Yeah, but then there was also slight intermission where Monaco over to, uh, won the league as well. Yeah, uh, I mean, but I mean, they've won. Uh, was it PSG has won so many uh, French cups in a row? Uh, they've won, uh, you know, also the actual League One uh, as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, now I'm pretty much seeing the view of like, okay, well, maybe the local league may be small or too small for them that their focus is on the on the Champions League. Do you do you believe that that might be the case in these teams or like they're they're pretty much their main focus is try to win Champions League they, since they know that their local league is going to be an, an easy win for them? Yeah, I think so. Jacob? Yeah, I mean, look at like I said, look at all these leagues that are having the same problem. And once again, when you got this French league, sure, it probably pays a lot when you win. But at the same time, Champions League is close to double that. So if, you know, they have success there, maybe getting even to the semis or anywhere around that, they get paid a lot of money, almost maybe as much as them winning the French Cup. So... It goes back and forth to that, and of course they can pay a lot of money. They're much more financially stable than these other clubs, especially in France. And, I mean, the same goes with Bayern Munich. 
who, you know, go to the semis almost every single year in the Champions League with that monopoly. At one point, I think we need to, you know, say, even from our American standpoint, put a salary cap. Put a salary cap on those leagues. Uh, make it, you know, less of, you know, make it harder for those big teams to say those that big. To, you know, just have some change is what I'm saying there. Yeah, de- definitely. I'm sure the uh, I'm sure the purists um, will throw a big fit over that uh, that you know request. But I think at the end, it you know, it's gotten to a point where one cannot a casual fan really cannot uh, enjoy watching these leagues because it's always the same winners. And so there's there's no I, like for example in in the EPL, you know, you have the you get you know the the the, the champion isn't always the same one every year. Plus you have that thing where uh, relegation is 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 so is so tight. It, it, it all boils down almost pretty much to the to the last week where you really where you find out who gets relegated, and so. You know, it, it, it's some things that that the fans, as more than anything, the people up on top who run these these leagues, need to work on or need to see. But in the end, it's obvious that money is going to win. So, having said this, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of Down in the Valley. Uh, really appreciate you all for for tuning in, uh, not only on uh, on YouTube or while it was streaming. But also, uh, when when this uh, show goes live on uh, SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher, Google uh, Play Store, and iTunes, um, really appreciate y'all y'all support. Uh, hope to see y'all there on Saturday uh, against Swap Park Rangers at HEB Park. Uh, don't forget, guys. Uh, be sure to check out our friends on uh, the Beautiful Game Network. Follow them on Twitter at the BGNFM. Uh, check out their their website. Uh, at www.bgn.fm. Uh, while you're there, check out all the other USL podcasts like uh, Sock Takes, um, the Speedway Soccer, uh, as well, uh, and um, and Play the Kids. Um, really, really high quality stuff. So be sure to check them out. Also, be sure to check out our friends at DynamoTheory.com. Uh, today, Carson Merck uh, released uh, the newest uh, article of The Bull and Its Horns, uh, which is a really good read. And also, uh, Jacob will, will, be, uh, posting li- will be posting on our website, downinthergb.com, uh, his article uh, in regards to the San, the San Antonio match. So be sure to, um, to read that when it goes live. Be sure to follow us on, our, on all our social media, whether it's Twitter, at downintherrgb. We also have Facebook down in the RGB, uh, Instagram RGBFC fans, uh, as well as um, am I missing one? Obviously, our YouTube and our SoundCloud. Uh, check those out. So, having said this, uh, Jacob Ray, thank you all so much for join uh, for for part- for being on today uh, on this show. Uh, hope to see you all again on Saturday over there at HB Park. Definitely look forward to it. Good night. Same here. All right. Uh, good night, Ray. And uh, good night, Jacob, as well. Um, take care. Take care. 
All right, so before before I go, before we kind of let this go uh, to to the end, uh, piece of news um, for the Houston fans. As you all saw yesterday during uh, the Houston Soccer Power Hour, the official name, the actual name was officially revealed yesterday. We will now be called... Um, the Generation, uh, Generation Orange uh, radio show. We go live, Sean and I go live for that show uh, between every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Uh, be sure to download the, the TuneIn app and uh, listen on uh, KTXF DB The Real on TuneIn and uh, through the internet uh, as well. Um, also, uh, be sure to check out, like I said, Down in the Valley, um, on our web, on the Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play Store, SoundCloud, and um, be sure, guys. I really, really uh, implore you, beg you, go to the games, go to HB Park. Um, it's kind of sad to see so many empty seats. Um, in, H in such a beautiful stadium. One of the things that uh, Jose Escalante touched up upon that in that a little Twitter feud was that he was tired of playing in front of empty orange seats. I mean, I, I know it's going to get some time to get used to this team to be, uh, to earn that love, but, you know, it's got to start somewhere. So, guys, if you have the opportunity, tickets are not expensive or five dollars each the food's great the atmosphere is great please go go support the toros support these these players who are busting their you know what's off every game to try to get the best result possible hasn't been uh, ha things haven't really gone um as good as maybe they thought so but they'll die they are dying trying to get those wins so, just like they're busting their butts off on the field, I think they deserve for that uh, that effort to be reciprocated by the fans. So, um, hope to see you all there on Saturday. And um, we are Toros, somos Toros. Y hashtag siempre fiel. Cuídense mucho, raza. A los que no en español. Realmente les imploro, les imploro, raza del, del Valle de Río Grande, vayan al estadio, apoyen a los toros, por favor. Estos, estos jugadores se han partido en la mandarina cada juego desde que empezó la liga. Claro, el mar, los marcadores no han salido como uno pensaría. Los marcadores son engañosos porque se, la, se han partido la mandarina. Han representado al Valle muy bien estos chamacos. Han, se han levantado de cosas negativas, de, o sea, de errores mentales que han tenido y se han levantado para conseguir el empate. Y, eh, o sea, han estado abajo, o sea, que do, uh, por tres goles o dos goles y han sabido remontar. En casa falta la victoria, pero es muy importante tener el apoyo de la afición. Vayan, los, los boletos este sábado, cinco dólares, cinco dólares, ¿qué son cinco dólares? Vayan al estadio, vean un buen fútbol, 
y vean este equipo que está representando nuestra región, el Valle de Río Grande. O sea, realmente se, se, se los pido como de favor, vayan y apóyenlos. Um, tenemos, o sea, tenemos gente local, jugadores locales. Víctor Garza pues está lesionado. Lo van a, va, era algo que quise uh, uh, decir durante el show. Víctor Garza está fuera por unas cuantas semanas. Supongo que va a ser por toda la temporada. Uh, tuvo algún, de, creo que es un de, hubo un desgarre en, en la rodilla eh, y lo van a operar. Entonces va a estar fuera por mucho tiempo. Pero también está Omar Castellanos y, perdón, Omar Ontiveros y Roberto Castellanos. Son jugadores que son de ahí del Valle. Apoyen a nuestro talento local. Apoyen a los toros. Los vemos este sábado, raza. Eh, si Dios quiere, cuídense mucho. Bye.